everybody. Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman. Whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate the continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener to the show, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th Pod on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman, and the host site is march4th.podbean.com. You made it here, so you found me somehow, and I greatly appreciate you guys checking out another episode of the podcast, or like I said, if you're a first-time listener, really appreciate it, man, and I hope everybody's doing well. I, uh, I'm i in a good mood, man. It's uh, I'm recording the intro and the close to this week's episode right now on a sunny Sunday afternoon, albeit a pretty hot one here in Tennessee. It's been a very warm summer, but, um, you know, I'm coming out of a a few months of, uh, a lot of pain, man, you know, a lot of, uh, uncertainty in in my life and just, um, you know, through, through the breakup that I went through and, and I debated even talking about it on this podcast. And I did a couple episodes ago on the free boys episode. I kind of opened up a little bit just to just to be honest with all of you as listeners, just about what I'm going through, you know, because my message is very much one of positivity, of uplifting, connecting with people. And that's the whole meaning behind the name of the show. March 4th is just to inspire listeners to chase down their dreams in their own lives. And, and hopefully when they listen to these conversations that I have with the guests of the show, you know, it inspires them to, to keep moving forward and to persevere. And like I said, in a weird way, I've, I've kind of found myself in my own life doing that. So that old saying of, you know, art imitating life or life imitating art, it's, it's very true, you know, but um, I'm at peace right now, though, too, in a lot of ways, I've, I've accepted things for for what they are, you know, and I think that's one of the lessons that I've learned through what I've gone through in this breakup. And and what you go through in life is, you know, so many of us, we're, we're seeking f- for answers all the time. And that's a good thing. It's good to be skeptical. It's good to question. It's good to do your homework. You know, it's good to be curious. I think above all, you know, it's good to be curious. It's good to be interested in, in different things and not think that you know everything. There's nothing worse than a know-it-all, right? But at the same time, you do get to a certain point in life where, you know, there's things that you experience that are beyond your comprehension. And I mean, that's a whole different conversation I could steer this in. And I don't want to rant too much here in the beginning. But with that being said, there is a certain point where I think especially if you're going through a struggle, you just have to accept things for what they are, even if they don't make sense, even if they're confusing or they're heartbreaking and devastating. You just have to accept reality for what it is sometimes. And there's actually a lot of freedom in that. And there's freedom in letting go. You know, one of my favorite lyrics from POD is when Sonny Sandoval says, the hardest part of holding on is letting it go. And that was on the song they did with uh, Katy Perry, uh, Goodbye For Now. And I think that that statement is, it's so simple, but it's its so true, you know, and when you hold on to pain or when you hold on to negativity or you hold on to the past, <clears throat> excuse me, it just prevents you from moving forward in your life in a positive direction. 
And I guess I just wanted to share that with you guys today because, like I said, the sun is shining. So as cheesy as it sounds, like I've got, I don't know, I just, you know, I just feel like I'm getting to a place after, you know, just a a tough year living by myself and then, you know, losing what I thought was the love of my life. It's It's real easy to get introspective in a negative way and do the why me thing and all that and what did I do or what could I have done differently and you go down all these rabbit holes and eventually you just get to the point where you're like man you know what I just have to accept things and people for what they are you know and make my peace with the past make my peace with the present and focus on what's in front of me to create a better life and a better future for myself and I can't do that if I dwell on heartbreak or I dwell on pain or I dwell on fear or doubt all those things that hold us back from just becoming who we're really supposed to be while we're here you know what I mean I do think we all have a higher purpose I do think we all came into this world with something to offer to our fellow human beings and the longer you hold on to pain or the longer you hold on to hurt whether it's self-inflicted or things that have happened to you or things people have done to you. You know, I'm not going to sit here and preach to anybody how they need to grieve or or deal, man. It's your life is your path. So take everything I'm saying right now with a grain of salt. But in my experience, there there does come a certain time where you just have to, uh, I think you just have to, to, to sit in acceptance and there's freedom in that because there's going to be things in your life that are beyond your control, beyond your understanding beyond explanation, um, beyond reason that, that just are never going to make sense. And if you hold on to not knowing and you hold on to pain, my personal experience is it just prevents you from, from moving forward and living a better life. And so in a way, I've kind of had to check myself a lot these last couple months and check in with myself on you know, just um, what I'm putting out there with this podcast and also how I'm internally dealing Because it has been tough, you know, but, uh, you know, you need to shed those tears, have those good cries, you know, get the emotions out, but then also find a positive way to release that negative emotion. For me, it's always been music, exercise, you know, spending time with my loved ones, which thank God I've, you know, I've been able to do that safely, you know, a few times throughout this past year and even recently going to my cousin's wedding, shout out to Ryan and Casey, so... Um, so yeah, man, I guess just to put a button on my rant in in the beginning here, it's just, um, try to find the silver lining. If you're struggling right now, um, or even if you're not struggling, you know, stay grateful, stay grateful if things are up right now and you're, as Matthew McConaughey is saying, you know, hitting those green lights, you know, if you're hitting those green lights right now, be grateful, take it all in stride and always try to do something kind for somebody else and, you know, so that's where I'm at right now, man. I'm just accepting, you know, of of kind of the pain that, that kind of came with everything that I've gone through. And also just I'm grateful for the people that I do have in my life who are by my side and, you know, just the opportunities that I that I have and the 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 support system that I have and my health. Uh, especially in in the times that we're in today, man. Uh, There's people who are gone because of COVID. There's people who are really sick. And again, that's a whole nother conversation, but just just even having my health and 
you know, being able to have the ability to just get up and walk every day and get out of my bed and not feel pain and, and do this podcast. Like there's just so many things, man, that we, we all take for granted. And I think in a, in a weird way, just the pain of what I've gone through is kind of heightened my self-awareness even more to how lucky I am, how fortunate I am. And, uh, to be more in the moment, you know, I've spent a lot of time in my life, you know, ruminating about the past, you know, overthinking, thinking about the future, fear, self-doubt, all those things that, that have crept through my head. And I'm like, man, what, what's important is, is what's in front of me. And if I can just take everything in stride, you know, be a good dude, you know, whether my time's up tomorrow or hopefully not till I'm old and gray, you know, that's the legacy that I want to leave behind. I hope that, you know, even the people who aren't part of my life anymore, like my ex-girlfriend, you know, I hope that eventually, you know, if I ever cross her mind or she thinks about me, same thing with all the other people that have crossed my path, you know, whether it's family, friends, you know, um, co-workers, when my time's up, whether it's tomorrow or when I'm hopefully not till I'm 85, you know, and I've lived a full life. Like, I hope that when they think about me, they smile. And it's not because I care about what people think of me. It's, it's because I just, I just want to be remembered as a loving, good dude. And I think that that's enough. You know, we live in a world where we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And we have these cell phones that just make us accessible 24 seven. And it also, you know, gives us a window to all these things that we can buy and how other people are living and all the stuff that people put out on Instagram. And in reality, you know, you know, maybe, maybe they, they had a bad sandwich that morning and they, they, you know what I mean? They, they had a stomach problem and, you know, nobody's posting about that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Unless they're doing ads for like antacid or something, but you get my point. It's like, you know, we're constantly living in comparison to other things and other people. And at the end of the day, all I care about is just the people who knew me, uh, whether they were in my life briefly or whether they were in my life for the long haul, whether they left and didn't want to be part of my life anymore or whether they want to be part of my life. I just hope when I cross their mind, they can look back on their time with me and smile. And, uh, you know, that's the legacy that's important to me. It's not about what people think of you. It's about what you leave behind every single day. And every day is a new day to start over and to be better. So that's that's the positive mindset that I'm in to start this show. And this week's guest is, uh, I'm really excited to give you guys this bonus episode again uh, for the second month in a row. Normally, I've, I only do two episodes a month and the show is growing and uh, by the grace of God, I've had you know more people reaching out to me, people listening to the show, and uh, this is a guy that um, I discovered on social media, like so many artists in this last year, man. Uh, the the positive side of social media, the positive connection piece of it, and this dude is is one of those people, and that is none other than Brian Hagen, aka Gray Mind, and that's Gray Mind with an A, not an E, and uh, he's got like a unique sound man he's based out of arizona and he describes his sound as like cinematic alternative hip-hop and i think that's a great way to describe it uh there's very ethereal kind of uh heady i guess is the only way i can describe it i don't even know if that's like a word but just elements to his music you know and and as you guys will hear in this conversation you know brian has a pretty pretty eclectic 
<clears throat> you know, musical history and musical palette, both from his own experience on different instruments and the different music that he grew up with and that he's interested in. And he's, in the last year, put out, let's see, Drift, Rome, and Moonlight all came out in 2021. And then on and on, he dropped in November of 2020. So really in like the last 10 months, nine months, he's put out four different singles and they all do kind of have like a cool cinematic ethereal vibe to them, but definitely in that alternative kind of hip hop space. And it was really interesting talking to him because he had a musical background that I wasn't aware of at all. Uh, you know, even, even in, um, getting ready for the podcast and it was cool to hear some of the common ground that we had and also, you know, what he's persevered in his life, uh, you know, what he's persevered through to get where he is today. I have a lot of respect for him as an artist. His latest single is Drift. I love it. And we talk about that. So it's just uh, another person that it was awesome to connect with. And I really want you guys to hear about. So on that note, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Graymind out of Arizona. Here it is. Yeah, it's always a, it's always a trip when you hear that. But uh, but yeah, dude. Uh, like I said, I, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, I really dig the singles that you've been putting out. Um, as a fan of the guitar, I, I like I like the vibe of, of the tie-in. Um, just as that kind of being like a common thread in your singles, but, uh, but just to kick this off, man, how, how long has this been something that you've really, you've really loved? I mean, I know the singles have just been within like the last, you know, year or so, but mm -hmm. you personally, how, how long have you been into music, man? Um, probably 10 or 11. Um, ironically enough, my sister got me started in, in playing music and she doesn't actually even play music anymore, but um, I started playing piano at, at about 10 or 11. Um, this was back when we lived in Northern California and um, did lessons for a little bit, um, less than a year. And uh, just, I really enjoyed kind of um, going through the process of finding a song I wanted to learn and, um, you know, finding the, the sheet music for it and then learning to play it. Um, so yeah, it started around there. Um, we then moved out of California when I was about 13 um, just about to turn 14. Um, so I took lessons for about nine months to a year, I think, um, piano and then, and then stopped cause we moved. Um, and then from there, I kind of just kept self-teaching. We got, you know, sheet music books from some of my favorite movies. I'm a huge soundtrack nerd and, and a lot of, a lot of the soundtracks that I still love to this day came from, you know, the movies I was watching as a kid. And, um, in particular, I really like Hans Zimmer and yeah. pretty much everything he touches is gold in my eyes. So, um, so when we moved, I, I had the Pirates of the Caribbean sheet music books for the second and the third movie. Um, and I learned those front to back, um, on piano and I just would spend hours in our basement in Utah, um, you know, using a hairdryer to defrost my hands because it was so cold in that unfinished basement every time <laughs> I would go down there, um, and just, just try to try to learn it. You know, I had, I had the soundtracks too, that I would listen to. Um, and then I, I knew how to read sheet music enough to, to kind of figure it out. And then I would, um, you know, try to doodle around on the piano until I could figure it out. So um, that's kind of where it started. And then from there, um, when we were in Utah, we were only there for about a year. Um, I did start taking guitar lessons for about six months. Um, and honestly, I, I hated it. Um, yeah. 
but I think it was because it was very like theory driven and it was like, Hey, learn this chord and that chord. And, you know, let's play this, this song that you don't care about or whatever it might be. So I kind of shelved the guitar for a while, um, to be quite honest. And then, um, we were in Utah for about a year and then we moved to Arizona when I was about 15. Um, and then I kind of, I pulled that guitar back out and that, that was kind of in the, um, it was around 2008, um, rock band and guitar hero were kind of big around then. Yeah. Um, so I, I had guitar hero on my PlayStation two. Uh, I think it was guitar hero two and guitar hero three. And, um, just started, you know, listening to older music through those games. You know, there's new music in there too, but you've got bands like Led Zeppelin and Metallica and Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath in there. And I was like, damn, this shit hits. Like <laughs> I, I really like this. So, um, I was, uh, you know, kind of intrigued as to, you know, I was, I was getting pretty good on, on the plastic guitar and I was like, well, maybe I can try this on, on real guitar. So I found, you know, then through that ultimate guitar, the website where you can get a bunch of tabs. I'm sure I heard in one of your last episodes that you kind of doodle around on guitar. So I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with UG.com. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I spent a ton of time on there. Um, you know, learned a lot of the classics mostly. Um, I didn't really play anything that was pre-1990 it was like mostly the 70s and the 80s so um i spent a lot of time on ultimate guitar um just you know i would hear songs in the game and then i would go listen to that band's albums and and find more songs that i liked and then i would you know find the tabs for it and then you know i had a little 10 watt amp and the little you know 200 starter guitar um and would just play play songs and and um i learned a lot of theory kind of just inherently through um, you know, playing the same songs over and over, um, playing s- songs from the same band over and over, um, and, and just kind of understanding what they were doing um, and, and, you know, start to kind of like almost predict what was going to happen next in a song because of, of how that band was. Um, so I think that was kind of where I started growing a lot as a musician. Um, I, I was pretty proficient in piano at that point, but I really wanted to start getting into band music. Um, my favorite band all time to this day still um, and who I learned most of my music from was Metallica. Uh, so, so I learned the, uh, I learned ride the lightning um, master of puppets and, and justice for all pretty much front to back. Like, Oh dang. I wanted to play all the songs. I, the first solo I can remember the first solo. I really wanted to be able to play a Kirk Hammett guitar solo. So the first one I was able to do you know, front to back without any of the like really fast picking. Cause I, I knew I couldn't really do that yet, but I could do tapping. So I learned, um, the fade to black solo. Um, and that was like, a in for me, like to myself, I was like, wow, you've, this is a milestone for you. <laughs> you've just played a, a Kirk Hammett guitar. solo. so I've always kind of idolized that band. And, and like I said, I learned a lot just through playing their songs. Like, um, you know, they, they typically are always in E standard and, and, most of their songs are in like E minor, or A minor, but um, you know, there's a lot of repetition in there, but they always find new ways to like make riffs and solos and new like chord progressions that are interesting. So um, I really enjoyed um, kind of going through the process of just finding music I liked and then trying to replicate it on guitar. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time playing guitar and um, that was kind of, you know, I was 15, 16, 17, um, around 16 and 17, I started trying to play in bands with some buddies. Um, and we did the, uh, we kind of went in the, like the metalcore route. 
yeah. for a long time. So, um, which I know you're familiar with too. Yeah. Um, so a Love lot of stuff. Yeah, I still do. I mean, it's, I don't, I probably don't listen to it as much as I did, um, you know, my late teenage years and early twenties, but, um, you know, I got a lot of influence from like Devil Wars Prada, August Burns Red, Attack Attack, Asking Alexandria when they came out with Stand Up and Scream in like, what, 2008 or 2009, um, all that kind of stuff, like influenced what we played in our band. Um, and so I did that, played in a band called Amore um, from, I want to say like 2010 to like 2012. It's a couple of years. I started getting really busy with school and work and, and took a step back. Um, and then those guys went on to like write some really, really incredible music. They're actually still a band. Um, you just, we just don't really hear from them anymore. Actually, the two producers I work with are, are technically still part of that band. Oh, um, cool. But yeah, so that, that was really the journey. And then, and then when I stopped, you know, performing and, and um, playing shows and, and, and kind of spending a lot of time writing in 2012, I, um, like I said, I was really busy with school and work. So I just wasn't putting as much time into, um, writing and, and just playing in general. Uh, but I would kind of always doodle on the piano. Cause that's still my favorite instrument to this day is playing piano. Um, and then in the last, I'd say year and a half to two years, um, I've started jumping in Logic a lot more, um, the, the digital audio workstation, Logic Pro. Um, I've been using that for like 10 years and I used to just, you know, make projects in there all the time of just random little piano and string sections or whatever, just trying to be Hans Zimmer really bad. <laughs> uh, so I kind of got back into that in the last like year and a half. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was about last September or October. Um, I was like, I had over the course of quarantine kind of discovered the whole um, alternative hip hop emo rap scene. Um, I had heard of it and like listened to it in bits and pieces before, but I really delved into it kind of around that time. Um, and that's when I started trying to see like, Oh, can I, can I write in this genre? Because it seems like a, um, you know, a genre that a lot more people would like. Cause I was used to like making music and metal bands and being like, do I want to show this to my parents? Do I want to invite X, Y, and Z people to the show? Because I know it's probably just going to scare them. I was like, <laughs> I want to, I want to write music that like, I know a lot of people can enjoy and I don't have to like pick and choose who's listening to it. You know what I mean? So um, I really enjoyed that genre and, and, you know, dove into it quite a bit. Like I said, in the last year and a half or so. Um, and then I wrote a song called on and on that uh, I, I reached out to my buddy, Ryan Damonson, who, who does all the mixes and masters on my music now um, is in that band of more technically still. And I was like, Hey, would you mind like taking a look at this and helping me mix and master it? Um, and so, you know, we sat down one day and mixed it and it, he just elevated the sound by like a hundred times what I could do on my own. And uh, I was like, Oh, I could, we could probably make this a process and keep writing, keep writing music. So that's, uh, that's where we're at now. So, you know, that's kind of our, um, there's a little bit more to the process now, but I mean, in terms of I guess the evolution of me writing music, it's, it's, you know, all the way back from me learning piano back in the day and figuring out how to play the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtracks to, you know, learning Metallica on guitar. And, and now we're kind of at a phase where mostly using software instruments, but I still love guitar so much. So like you mentioned when we were talking a little bit earlier about having guitars, like a um, recurring theme in a lot of my songs, I, I love having it in there and, and, some of the future stuff I'm working on is going to be a little bit more guitar driven. So um, yeah, that's, that's the history, you know, as, as summed up as I can make it. 
Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Well, first of all, congrats, because uh, it takes a lot of patience to learn. I mean, like, um, I've, I've said it on multiple episodes, as much as I love music, I don't think I ever had the patience because I'm such a like perfectionist and such a heavy critic. Like, yeah, actually, when I first got my guitar, my buddy, I, I had two friends in high school um, who are both really good musicians. Um, one of them, this dude, Benny, was a great guitar player. Um, and my other buddy, Andy, who I've actually had on this podcast, uh, one of those guys that can play the drums, play guitar, he can mm-hmm. sing. And um, I almost took my guitar back when I when I first bought it, because I was just like, oh, my gosh, I am so terrible <laughs> at this, like just like, bum, 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 you know, but then um, kind of, you know, and, and then the lessons I started taking lessons with this guy, his name's Chuck Stoll, mm-hmm. and he was in this metal band in the 80s called uh, Damien mm-hmm. and um really, really good player. Right. But I think it probably took a lot of patience for him when I started doing lessons with him. Cause if they were like 25 minute lessons and like he, he, he could, he had like a, I think it was a PV amp where <laughs> there was a setting where he could do like a, a metronome, like a dun, dun, yeah, dun, yeah. and he would yeah. just start soloing and stuff. And I'm sitting there like, wah, 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 you know, and he was so cool and so nice, but I was like, you know, I think if I try to teach myself a little bit, I'll probably get a little bit more out of this. And so mm. And that's what my buddy Andy told me. He's like, dude, don't get frustrated. Just try to, you know, try to figure stuff out. So like I started out with kind of like simpler riffs. And then once you learn like that first riff, you know, you kind of get addicted, you know what I mean? So to this day, like, I mean, like I said, I I noodle around a little bit. I I wouldn't even classify as a novice. I mean, um, (laughs) probably, probably the, and Metallica, I actually share that with you. They're my all time favorite band. Maybe it's because I was born in 88. And I know a lot of people talk about the mixing and kind of, you know, Jason's Newstead's, you know, Jason Newstead's bass not really being super yeah. present in the mix or whatever for Injustice mm-hmm. for All. But I, I really love that record because I think that that was kind of like their screw you record to everybody, you know, after yeah. Cliff Burton passed away tragically. I think they're kind of yeah. like, oh, you guys think that we're just going to fold like, right, here's here's like, I just think from a riff perspective, that's probably my favorite um it's yeah. a record from from a riff perspective but uh, agreed but yeah that's cool that you went back and learned that and i think it's interesting too because i remember when guitar you know we're, we're not that far apart in age it sounds like and i mm-hmm. i remember when our hero came out and i really feel like it introduced like a whole new generation of people to all this awesome music from back yeah. in the day. and it kind of sounds like that's what it did with you kind of opened up that rabbit hole of like oh it really wow. did you know it was interesting too because i think like to your point a lot of kids that or you know anybody that was in their teenage years or maybe you know just generally around that age and was playing those games around that time were listening to music that had been out for maybe decades but they just never heard of it you know what I mean and I grew up in a family where we listened to a lot of um you know 70s and 80s music growing up and I always enjoyed it you know quite a bit um but I think once the guitar hero rock band thing kind of started coming out I just dove deeper into it. And I think I, I got a lot more into the rock and metal side of it than uh, my family did. But, um, you know, th- yeah, I, I probably, if it weren't for those games, I don't know how much I would have, um, you know, taken a look into that side of music. I'm, I was born in 93, so I'm not even, I'm almost 28, but the, that whole kind of era of music was really what is why I'm making music now. Like that's where I learned the bulk of my music. So um, I, I will always appreciate that era and Metallica will always be on the top of the, the leaderboard when it comes to my favorite artists. And, you know, I'll always remember like sitting in my bedroom trying to learn Metallica riffs and yeah, good times. You mentioned the, 
the the soundtrack piece of it with the Hans Zimmer stuff. And that was one thing that mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about too, because you put out an instrumental version of Drift. And when you yeah. when you take out the lyrics, I mean, it's a great song with the lyrics, but when you take out the lyrics, you really can hear the cinematic influence in that song just the way that it's it's produced and the way that it's laid out so i'm like oh okay yeah there's there's a cinematic vibe here too but yeah what i was saying about metallica is i really like how they had to me they have some of the best like clean guitar intros to heavy songs yeah you know what i mean totally like agree. one fade to black you know what i mean um mm-hmm sanitarium you know like they had so many cool clean intros and in your music you use kind of that sort of ethereal moody guitar intro to your stuff and i really very influenced by that yeah because they would use a lot of like chorus on like a chorus effect on their on their guitar and um my buddy trey and i the one of the producers i work with uh, we write a lot of this stuff together and and um when we were kind of going through different, you know, samples to use for the guitar. I mean, we were actually playing guitar, but um, in terms of like setting up how we wanted to sound um, when I heard kind of like what we landed on, I, I went back and listened. I was like, Oh, that's very Metallica and the, and this in the clean guitar tones, or even think about like the interlude and master of puppets, like that kind of sound. Um, yeah. Very similar. Yeah. But, but yeah, the, the cinematic element, um, that's kind of how I want to want to be different. Um, I've always loved writing string parts for music and I always want to have it somewhere in my music. Um, and I don't hear a lot of people in like the alternative hip hop and emo rap, if you want to call it that space doing that. Um, there's one artist that did a live performance. He's my favorite artist in that space. His name is Gucci Highwaters. Um, and he did a live performance with actual live string players and it was fantastic. Um, but in terms of like the studio versions of songs, I don't hear it very often. Um, and just being a soundtrack nerd and, and having that, it'd be such a strong part of my musical background. Um, I just think strings and anything orchestral is beautiful and can add so much emotional depth to a song. Um, it's hard for me to not put it in a song. So, um, probably still hear that, you know, as, as more stuff comes out, it's always going to have that element to it as kind of like my my niche in the in the genre yeah and you've touched a lot of different stuff i mean like you said from the piano learning to read music i mean there's a lot of really talented you know musicians and shredders and stuff that can't like i can read a guitar tab but i can't read music you know so i think having that element to it it probably helps open up things for you maybe even even in a different way especially touching into this new genre like you're talking about but um yeah can you talk about making that transition like um, and, and I know sometimes it's weird to even answer questions like that because it's like, like I've had moments, like I remember it was probably, I'm 33 now. So I would say my mid twenties, right around 24, um, mm. through just Pandora mixes and stuff that I had, um, like, you know, radio stations. I, I remember the first time, like I started listening to like exit calm and stuff. And then that mm. kind of got me going into this whole like post rock world, you know, when yeah. I was like heavy, heavy, heavy for so long and just the doors that opened up. Um, so for you, what, what was that progression like to, to get into sort of this, this emo kind of, you know, rap world that, that you're talking about now, was there an artist that got you going down the rabbit hole or. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, 
I feel like I've always had, I've always listened to a lot of different types of music at the same time. And, and there's always been like a dominant genre, I guess you could say, um, whether that's for like a month or half a year, a year or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, for a long time, it was kind of the, the heavier rock and, and metalcore stuff. And in, in like my, like I said, like late teens, early twenties, I still keep up with it, but not nearly as much as I used to. There's like three or four bands that I'll still, when they have a release, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to listen to this front to back. Um, I feel like just some of the people that I'm, I'm friends with, seeing them kind of make a transition into the genre um, kind of helped spark an interest in like, oh, what's this all about? Um, it, like I said, I listen to a lot of different types of music too. So my Spotify is always cranking out left field suggestions for me that I like, I've never even touched this genre before. I yeah. can't, someone asked me recently and I was able to pull up a screenshot. I don't think I can find it right now, but you know how Spotify does that at the end of the year, your kind of recap of like how many new genres you listen to and how many artists you discovered. Mine was over a thousand for the genres and artists. So like, Oh wow. My, my discover weekly and release radar are just always giving me weird stuff. Cause it doesn't know what to do with me. I think. <laughs> um so like my my influences tend to be like you know some of the metalcore stuff like architects is my favorite metalcore band they'll always be my favorite metalcore band so there's a lot of influence like in there and i've, I've continuously listened to them um i love lana del rey like when her born to die album came out um in like the early 2010s i think it was like 2012 or something like that influenced me a lot so i you know i was listening to metalcore a lot around then too but I, I was always listening to other stuff. So like the, the, yeah. the indie alternative, the, um, the post-rock like balancing composure is one of my other favorite bands. They're kind of like that whole post-rock um, kind of sound. Um, but I think like in terms of the influence for what I was going to be writing in the last couple of years, I think th the transition mostly happened because of, you know, whether it was like on Instagram or Facebook, a lot of those people that I had been playing in metalcore bands with or who were part of that scene in Arizona um, had, had started making a shift to, you know, posting about other types of music or um, making other music. And so I, it sparked a curiosity, you know, and, and, you know, what are some of the bigger artists in this genre? Um, and then, you know, how Spotify works, you, you can go through, you know, fans also like or similar artists, whatever it's called now, and just listen to the top five, 10 songs of all these artists and, get a good idea of what the genre is like. Um, so I did that. I think it was, I think it was Brennan Savage was the first artist I listened to in the genre, which was one of the little peeps, best friends um, in the goth boy click um, whole collective thing. Um, and, and he's still one of my favorite in, in the genre. Um, but yeah, I started listening to, you know, little peep, Brennan Savage, Gucci high waters, um, all the, all the guys in like the goth boy click and, and um you know, that whole like alternative hip hop emo rap kind of scene um, earlier last year. And then that's been one of the main genres I've kind of listened to, um, I would say, since the beginning of 2020 or so. Um, and it's interesting, too, because a lot of those guys like their influence comes from alternative and which, yeah. understandably and alternative hip hop. So it's kind of in the name. But, you know, they have like the, the punk rock influence. Some of them were in like metal bands like Suicide Boys. Uh, Ruby, one of the guys in the Suicide Boys, he was in a hardcore band as a drummer. So it's, it's interesting to see like it almost seems to a degree that the natural transition for a metal core kid is to kind of go to hip hop at some point or like some <laughs> semblance of hip hop. Um, and for me, because I, I've always had the softer side of like enjoying the, you know, the strings and the, the lighter instruments, if you want to call them that. 
um i think for me it kind of transitioned to more of like the alternative hip-hop i've even like heard people say like indie r&b or alternative r&b for certain songs um as opposed to like the trap you know like i I think some of the songs are a little bit more hip-hoppy but um for the most part it's kind of more of the alternative hip-hop but yeah i mean listening i would say last year and a half or so it really transitioned and it was mutual friends what they were posting about what they were writing that's cool man I think you got a great voice, especially for the vibe of what you're, what you're doing, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I feel like the, the sound I have now is kind of different than what I had done in the bands. Um, I, I was never really the singer in the band. Um, I mostly played guitar, but you know, if we had like a chorus or something, um, usually we would even have somebody else doing the chorus. It usually wasn't me. Um, but every now and again, I would, you know, take a chorus or whatever but I was always into like doing vocal covers of some of my favorite um bands in like the metalcore scene so like Memphis Mayfire was actually a big one I always really admired um Maddie's vocals and um the melodies he would choose so um you know I had my little MacBook Pro with a a, a USB microphone that was from the rock band game and I would plug that into my um to my laptop and just do like just sing over the the actual track and that was when I started like trying to sing but obviously I didn't really do much with that um and then in the last couple years um I've been writing like acoustic stuff on my own and and I would record that in Logic and just kind of like do nothing with it and it would just sit as a project file on my hard drive um last year during quarantine actually um, my sister and I were doing covers of a couple songs which um, I have on Instagram somewhere. It's not on the Grey Mind account, but it's on something else. Um, but and she's actually a really good singer, and she doesn't even do it normally. But I think she has kind of a natural talent for it. Um, so that was kind of forcing me to really focus on like my how I was um, my delivery um, and just trying to get you know more repetition with singing things to try to work on my 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 pitch and whatnot. Um, but in terms of the actual style that I have right now, um, it was really just within the last year and a half. Um, I think some of it kind of comes from the vocals you would hear in a metalcore song, um, the choruses, you know, um, but a little bit more toned down. And, and I think some of the stuff that I want to write is going to be a little bit more energetic. Rome and Drift were kind of two of the songs where I, I was singing in a lower register. So it was a little bit more of that, like breathy, um, ethereal ambient kind of vibe vocally yeah um i'm gonna do a a couple songs probably in the next little bit that are a little bit more energetic so probably in a higher key um do a little bit more belting than you know the the softer singing um but yeah i mean like i said i've never (laughs) really considered myself a singer i think i just a lot of my vocal melodies actually come from things i wrote on piano and then i fit words to them and then you know change them a little bit from there um I'm just a really big fan of writing melodies that I enjoy. And, you know, being a solo artist, you know, I I realize that you kind of have to have vocals to make it like a song. So I I just, you know, that's kind of why I I sang on them because I would write singing parts that I liked and just kind of forced myself to practice to get to a point where it was recordable. Um, 
and then you know obviously there's there's a little bit of dress up that happens <laughs> afterwards yeah. but um yeah I, I think you know like I said wouldn't really consider myself a singer but I think we're getting to a point where I feel more comfortable saying that you know I sing if that makes sense because it was always something before where I was like I'd be self-conscious about somebody hearing like a little thing that I recorded in logic and, and would play back. Like I, I kind of just kept it to myself. So even for me to like put stuff out in the universe of me singing was kind of a scary thing at first. Cause I was like, this isn't really why I want to be doing this. My favorite part of writing music is writing the instrumentals. Um, so, you know, the strings, like I said, the piano, the main melodies, um, that's kind of my favorite part. So um, I think this is just kind of one of those things where I'm adding the other layer on top of it and, and learning it as I go. And, and I think through these songs, you know, I've got four songs out now and, and probably going to stay on like the single game for the next little bit, probably hear a progression in the voice as, as we go, because I'm still, I feel like trying to figure out what's a good range for me to sit in more often than not. Um, yeah. and, and what's kind of like the delivery that I want to have most often in terms of like do I want to be belting a lot more do I want to be breathy do I want to have a combination of both um and it's good to kind of you know get people's input on it too um at the end of the day I'm gonna write music that I like and I enjoy but it's also good to hear you know like hey I really liked this part of the song like the chorus in particular had more energy or you know hey this particular song I liked how your vocals sounded and that kind of helps me understand like what is a good range for me or what is a good sound for my vocals in particular? How did you come up with the, uh, the gray mind name? Um, so that stemmed from, I'm actually a very, uh, type a person. So I'm very like black and white, um, very OCD about things. I'm very organized. And, um, the fact that I even do music has always kind of been like a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a surprise to anybody, but it, it's interesting that I, I kind of do both. Like I've worked in corporate America for the last five years and, and have had a nine to five job, very detail oriented, um, like to be organized and kind of working on projects where there's like right and wrong answers, if that makes sense. So like, yeah. you know, data driven stuff. Um, and that's not usually something that you would, I guess, find in like a creative person. Um, and that's like, not me saying like, Hey, look at me, I can do both. But I think for me, it was like the creative side of me. I have to force myself a lot of times to not be so black and white. So, you know, whether it's a melody or um, it's the, the progression of the song, like there's sometimes where you just have to kind of like not try to adhere to like a certain template or be super regimented or stri strategic about it. Sometimes it's just like, you just need to, find where the melody is taking you as cheesy as that sounds or just like let your creative kind of side take over. So yeah. the name kind of comes from like me trying to figure out what's between black and white, which is the gray space. And it's all in my head. So it's, that's where gray mind comes from. Um, it's also, I'm not typically somebody that talks about like how I'm feeling a lot or my emotions. Um, and I, I do that more in my music. Um, so the other kind of interpretation of gray mind is that, um, it's me trying to interpret what's in my head. So like the stuff that I don't understand that I'm feeling or thinking about um, kind of comes out in the music. So those are two kind of 
places where the name came from. I would say the first one's probably the one I say the most often, but um, yeah, that's where it comes from. That's cool, man. Yeah, I, I can relate in terms of like, uh, you know, my my day job as an analyst and and being in spreadsheets and yeah, you know, all that stuff. And, and I and I like to to problem solve and figure stuff out and like, what are what are the answers in the data? But I also yeah. have like a creative side, like drawing was my first love as a kid before music, before everything else. And, nice. um, you know, obviously music is just like, I, I, I wouldn't want to be in a world where we didn't have music because sometimes I think to myself, like, if I had to lose like just those weird hypothetical questions, I don't know if you ever do that, man, but your like sight I'm, or your hearing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what, what would be worse, man? I'm yeah. like, I feel like I could do without smell taste. Mm-hmm. It would kind of be a bummer, but I'm like, if I couldn't hear music as much as sight is like, if I couldn't hear music, I, that would s- just be terrible. I, I think so yeah. for me, I think it would be hearing as much as it would stink to lose my sight. And hopefully I, I never lose any of them. Yeah. But, I think hearing would be the worst, man. Like even last night I was at a show uh, with this band. You should check them out, especially since you, you your tastes are, you know, have a wide variety. They actually don't have an an album out yet, but I'll send you the the YouTube link from their live cool. stream that they did. But they're called Pharaohs. Um, okay. I had the guitarist, uh, uh, Sammy Bowler, on my show, and he's a super nice guy. And I, hopefully nobody thinks I'm name-dropping, but just because we're talking about music. But mm-hmm. um, but so as we're talking about hypotheticals and stuff that, that I brought up, like I think, like man, like that was – I got a chance to see their first show for an audience last night. And I'm like, man, if I couldn't have heard that, that would have been terrible. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just such a cool experience to connect with other people live too, you know? Definitely. Yeah, I think whenever those uh, – you know, you're on a long – road trip or something and those hypothetical questions are coming out the hearing is always the last one standing for me personally i couldn't let that go yeah so i completely agree <laughs> is this something uh that that you'd ever want to do live um or, or is this or is this kind of more of a studio kind of like a studio project for you yeah no, good question i i think i started off with the mindset that i was just going to write um music to put online and, and let people add to their playlists and just kind of listen to. Um, but as, as we've kind of gone on and now like the possibility of shows are actually becoming a lot more real and they're, they're happening now. Um, I've become a lot more open to the idea. Um, it's been a while since I played a show, I think 2013 or 2014 was last time. And, and it'd be different, you know, like before I was behind a guitar and, you know, my voice wasn't really out there and I was up there with four other dudes. So, um, you know, being up there by yourself and you just have a microphone, it's a little bit daunting to think about. Um, but no, I, and we actually, we, um, we have some stuff in the works, um, for just some small, like local shows, uh, before the end of the year. Um, and I'm working with, uh, one of my producers, Ryan on a, actually like a live project. So, um, you know, I, you've probably noticed this when you've gone to metalcore shows before, but um, I always really appreciated when there was a band that um, it, it kind of gives them, it gives the impression that they really have their stuff together when they have those like little 16 to 32 bar instrumentals between their songs. And it kind of just ties the whole set together. Um, I know Memphis May Fire did that a lot. Architects does that. Um, so I'm actually working on like a project file where it has my four songs that I have right now and they're all tied together with little instrumentals between them. So I'm definitely preparing for live shows for sure. Um, I think it'll, I'm not going to like go searching to play live shows, but if the opportunities come up, 
um, and it's the right fit, then I'll definitely do it. Um, this project, and I think kind of music in general for me is more just like a fun thing. Um, yeah. I'm not trying to make it like my life. Um, although it's probably always going to be part of my life. It's not what I plan on, like my main source of income being for the rest of my life. Um, my kind of goal with music in general is to get to a point where it pays for itself. So, you know, I pay for, you know, to have the production done on my songs and, um, cause, cause the guys I work with, that's more or less their full-time thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, for artwork and, and things like that. So I think if I can get to a point where, you know, you know, between streams and merch, which streams is, is <laughs> doesn't pay very much. So between streams, merch, you know, maybe live shows, um, the cranking out more songs can just be paid for through that. Like that's, I'll be happy with that. I'm already happy with it cause it's fun, but you know, if I can get to that point and it's just kind of a self-sustaining project, um, I'll be completely content with that. So, but shows for sure, I think right opportunities, right fit, um, definitely be playing some shows probably by the end of the year too. That's great, dude. Well, Brian, in the time we have left, thanks again so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Um, and it's cool. You can even tell like what you're talking about with uh, the type A personality, like like thinking about the transitions even between songs and your live shows. <laughs> yeah. I actually I actually really, really like that when bands do like the cool little interludes, you know what I mean? Yeah, like in between, sure. like I actually saw Metallica, um, probably the best show that I've ever seen. It was uh, at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, which kind of in some ways makes me sad and reminds me that I'm getting older. Cause like there's multiple places <laughs> from my childhood that just don't exist anymore. Like Joe Lewis is gone. Um, the old tiger stadium is gone up in Detroit. Uh, the silver dome, the palace, they're all leveled now, but, but the Joe was a great place to see a show because, you know, arenas now they're all about the amenities and understandably so, right. You know, right. It, you know, like any business, uh, you know, a sports team is in a business and they're trying to turn a profit. So, yeah. Not only do they want you to come to the game, but they want you to eat the food. They want you to buy the merch, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, they make these big arenas now so they can fit all that stuff in it. And Joe Lewis had really small concourses. But what was really cool about it was there was no separation of levels. Like it was just this 20,000 person bowl, basically. So you had oh, wow. an upper level and a lower level, but you just yeah. took the steps to go up. It wasn't like separated or like right. overhanging or anything. And there was nowhere really for the sound to go. So when bands would play there, like it was just, it was gnarly because like the roof was just, it just sat on top of everything. So, <laughs> um, and, and ironically, like in Nashville here where I am now, Bridgestone's a modern arena, but it's got kind of like a flat roof. And I think that's why the sound quality is good in there because it, mm. it, it doesn't like escape. If the, I don't even know if I'm making sense. There's probably going to be some audiophile and this is like, this guy didn't know what he's talking about, but <laughs> no, it was it a great place to see a show, you know? And yeah. Metallica was, it was unbelievable. It was a death magnetic cycle. Oh, nice. They did two different legs of that tour. One leg was Metallica, Machine Head and The Sword. And the other leg was Metallica, Lamb of God and Gojira. Uh, mm -hmm. who I, I love Gojira too. Yeah, they um, take Gojira out pretty often when they go on tour. Yeah, and that and that show was was incredible. But even between like the transitions, like I remember when they mm -hmm. went into one, they had like uh, sort of this cool little interlude of like you know machine guns and stuff going off in the background. Yeah. Did they then, have uh, their big screen with like the the kind of clips from their the one music video too? They they didn't have a big video screen, but they had. Um, I've never seen anything like this, man. It was crazy, like. They had um, 
what I really liked about it was their show is about the music. Like it's a production, you know what I mean? Right. There, there's, there's, there's flames and, but, but the show was like about the band. So they did it where they put the the stage in the round in the middle. And then uh, the scoreboard yeah. was completely covered in speakers. And then they had four other giant like speakers and it, it, it on it. Like in my head, I was like figuring out how many trucks did they have coming and going to these shows. <laughs> but then they had like four coffins, you know, for the death yep. album, like you opened it up and it was like the layers of the coffin or whatever. Yeah. So they had four giant uh, coffin speakers. So, the scoreboard in the middle of the arena covered in speakers. And then four of these coffins would just kind of come up and come down. So they didn't have the video screen, but they just had like the, you know, the flames going off and everything. Yeah. Like, it was insane, man. But um, that's sick. I, uh, I've, I've seen live videos of that tour because death magnetic came out right when I was starting to kind of get into guitars 2008, I think. And so I learned a lot of songs from that album too, but I, I would always be like, Oh, I got to, go on youtube and see them playing these songs live and i remember seeing the coffins that was super sick i saw them the only time i've seen them and it was like a dream come true it was in 2017 or 2018 and they were touring hardwired um which was a pretty good album i mean i'll still always be partial to their earlier stuff but um all things considered i think it was pretty good but they, yeah. their live performances like incredible that they had these massive projectors behind them um, cause they were playing in the, the Arizona Cardinals, like the football stadium. Um, and then they, they closed with Sandman. And, and at the end of that, they were shooting fireworks in the closed arena. It was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're incredible. I, I like how they lift up other bands too, man. Like mm-hmm. they take out bands that they love and stuff. They've, they're waving the flag for metal. Um, but you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up too, like, um, reading into, you know, uh, or I should say reading about, not reading into, but, but the meaning behind some of your songs and the latest mm. single drift, you know, is kind of about like just that social media and sort of the pull of that. Um, can you yeah. talk to, to people listen to this a little bit about sort of the, the inspiration behind that song lyrically? Yeah, for sure. So um, drift was written not about any like particular circumstance. I think some, some of my songs are about a very specific circumstance and others are a little bit more general, but things that I've experienced before or that, um, you know, that, that maybe I've made somebody experience. So, so drift in particular um, is about kind of getting lost in the whole draw of social media. Um, It's all ocean themed that song. So, so the ocean and, and blue is, is meant to kind of be representative of the social media. Um, so like sinking far beneath the sea is like getting lost in the social media, um, and, and kind of getting caught up in like maybe the past and like old posts and, and what everybody else is doing. Um, and, and the other part to that song is, is kind of from the perspective of somebody that, you know, is feeling like they're losing somebody to that draw. Um, you know, sometimes you'll go to restaurants and you see like a couple and they're both on their phones or sometimes it's like one of them's on their phone and then the other is just like, you know, Hey, I'm here. Like, do you want to spend time with me? Do you want to make this like real world connection or do you, would you rather be doing that? And to be quite honest with you, man, like I've, I've been the person that was caught up in it before. And and I've done that to people where, um, you know, I was not giving them my full attention. I was wasting time and wasting opportunities at making real life connection or, or furthering real life connection um, with, with people who, you know, I would claim are the most important to me. Yet I'm spending, you know, my time 
you know, scrolling through feeds or whatever it may be with people that are more or less acquaintances, or I might not even know. Um, so it's, it's more or less written from the perspective of somebody who feels like, Hey, I'm right here whenever you're ready. And I, I don't want to be losing you to this, but I can see you losing yourself to this. Um, and it's almost written partially as a reminder to myself to like, not do that. Um, so, um, that's really kind of the, the, the main theme throughout that song. I try to have some sort of deeper meaning, um, with the songs. I feel like in this genre in particular, um, it's either like, Hey, I'm super sad or here's all the different drugs I'm doing. Um, so I think that's another way. And I'm, I don't consider myself to be a, a great lyricist. Lyrics actually usually come last for me because I'm just so caught up in writing the instrumentals that um, that's kind of like a last stop. But I do like to put time and effort into it to make sure there's some sort of like meaning behind it. And it's not just me throwing words out there. Um, so, yeah, that one's that one's more or less about um, the draw of social media and getting caught up in it and kind of a reminder to um not lose the real connections and the real relationships you have with people for, you know, fleeting acquaintance, like relationships that, you know, you probably won't even talk to that person or know that person in a year, not to sound like mean or anything, but a lot of times that's what it is, you know, like the close relationships, like the family and the close friends, those should be the priority. And if you're physically around those people or you're on the phone with them or whatever it may be, like that's where your, your time and your, your attention should be for the most part. Um, and that other stuff can, you know, kind of wait and, you know, just again, a reminder to focus your energy on the relationships that really matter and, and the connections that matter and not get lost in the, the things that are fleeting and, and more often than not a highlight reel or maybe even a facade. So, um, yeah, that's drift. Yeah. And was it, um, and if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, it's totally cool. But just with the threat of this being like perseverance and moving forward, mm-hmm. I, I I did a deep dive on your Instagram and saw that was it was it Rome that had to do with some health issues and stuff that you're having. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, you know, if you wanted to talk about that a little bit and just kind of getting through that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, and I love the theme of the podcast too. So I was excited to be able to kind of um, talk about that because I think those are important things to talk about and and share and and be able to kind of you know say like. Hey, I made it through these things and you can get through it too, you know? Um, yeah, that, Ro- yeah, of course. So Rome was about health issues. I had, I, um, developed a condition that was probably, you know, I had it for longer than from when I started discovering it. But in 2018, I was diagnosed with a thyroid condition uh, called Hashimoto's, which is kind of like hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism where your hormones just aren't working how they should. And it came with a plethora of side effects, like um, crazy stomach issues. Uh, I would have like a racing heart for no apparent reason, you know, just sitting down. Um, So some scary things were kind of happening. It was really, really tough mentally to get through because I was working with a doctor and and a great doctor, but um, a lot of correcting that, um, that issue is very trial and error because it's very specific to your body and, and what your body is going to respond well to and what it's not. Um, so it was a very, very long process to get to where I am now of like feeling like I kind of have my life back in a sense, because it was very limiting in, in terms of what I could do, like with physical exercise or um, feeling comfortable going out to eat. Cause there wasn't a lot of things that I could go out and eat and not feel like terrible after. Um, so, so Rome was about kind of how I was feeling mentally. Um, 2018, 2019 were, were the worst years of that for sure. And 2020 was a kind of a correction year. 
Um, I, I always joke too, because 2020 was obviously a terrible year globally, but it was one of the best years of my life because I made a lot of great life changes that are, you know, decisions I don't regret and, and things I'm really proud of. But um, yeah, so so that whole song is kind of about like the mental space I was in during that time and kind of feeling like, um, will I ever get back to a point where I feel like myself again? Am I, you know, stuck in this cycle? Am I ever going to have the life that, you know, I was working towards back. Um, and so, yeah, really just kind of talking through um, those feelings, you know, of what the mental rut I was in from the physical thing I had going on. So luckily now it's, it's very managed and I don't experience a lot of those things anymore. And I learned a lot about, um, you know, how eating properly and I wasn't eating crazy bad before, but just eating super clean and, and, really reading labels of, of the food you're eating and um, learning about natural supplements that you can take to, to, you know, help your body with things we're all naturally deficient in um, how that can really help a lot of different areas of your life, not just physically, but like mentally too. Um, so yeah, Rome was about overcoming that. And, um, you know, I, I wrote it after, you know, a lot of that stuff had happened. It, a lot of the words kind of stemmed from emotions that, I was experiencing then and had kind of journaled about, but um, wrote it luckily after kind of coming through that and getting to a state where it's very managed now. Well, that's great to hear, man. I'm glad that you're doing better now. That that was one of the things I was going to ask you was something like that. Is it something that you just got to, you got to kind of live with and, and manage? Like, was it, was there like, a, I guess, was there, was there a, a low point that made you really Cause I mean, we all have them. Um, I, I had some health issues, uh, kind of a scary one when I was, um, 18, I found out I had a tumor and it wasn't cancerous, but I, oh geez. Yeah, I had, I had a day where I, I was bleeding like a sieve and it was like bright red movie blood. It was crazy. And I found Jeez. out I had this tumor in my, uh, my nasal cavity called a, a JNA, which is, uh, my memory, ser- my memory serves me correctly, a uh, juvenile nasopharyngeal angiofibroma. Um, oh, and your maxillary artery, I believe, is the one that feeds blood to your face, like the main one that feeds blood to your face. And it was attached to that. And thankfully, they caught it when it was only about the size of a quarter. But it it scared the bejesus out of me because I, I had like golf yeah. size blood clots in the ER. And I had a moment where I'm like my dad, who always kept it together, made this face. And he had to he had to walk out of the, the room in the ER to gather oh, himself. Geez. So yeah. like um, not, and I'm not making it about me, but just relating it to you. Like that was probably my low with that. And ultimately, uh, you know, if it weren't for my mom, who was a registered nurse, um, who, who knew what doctors to kind of get me in front of, uh, shout out to Dr. Marantet. Uh, (laughs) he was an amazing humanitarian, really great guy. Um, and, and the whole team up there at the university of Michigan, but, um, it was really my family and everything that, uh, that helped, you know, my close friends that helped me get through that. Cause I lost, like, I think I went from like 160 to like 145 or 140 in a matter of weeks. Cause my face was all swollen. Jeez. I couldn't, couldn't eat solid food. I remember the first time I got to eat steak again, I, I had to take really tiny little bites because yeah. my, I had like, you know, plates and screws I still have in my mouth. So, so yeah, I, you know, I'm curious, like with what you went through, you know, when you hit those lows, man, what, what ultimately kind of helped you bounce back? Was it, was it the creative stuff and the music being a distraction? Was it family? Was it a combination of those things? Yeah, I would say definitely a combination. Um, my mom's actually a health coach too. So, and she had gone through something very similar uh, a couple of years prior. So she had done a lot of 
um, research. She's also very type A like me. So um, very research driven and, and had kind of looked into a lot of the stuff and got me linked up with, with a good doctor that um, was from the same, uh, same office that, that she goes to. So um, yeah, that was the biggest thing was <laughs> being able to like tell my mom all the symptoms and, and we would kind of work through like, you know, had she experienced that before? What did, what did she do? And then kind of work with the doctor on the things that maybe she didn't, was, wasn't as familiar with. Um, so that was one of the biggest things. Um, I think, yeah, creative, like the creative side, I started, you know, trying to get outside more and go on walks. And, and, you know, I, I used to be a runner. So like with all the elevated heart stuff, I, I didn't feel comfortable running. So, um, I wasn't doing that, but just getting outside and walking was very helpful for, um, kind of getting in the right headspace and just feeling a little bit better about my overall situation. Um, and then, you know, just a lot of the, um, repetition of going back and forth with, um, my mom, who's a health coach and then, and then the doctors of like, what's working and what's not for honestly, like over two years. And, and still to this day, I mean, um, I still meet with my doctor now it's only to two times a year, but it was every four weeks for, quite a, quite a while. I was getting my blood drawn every four weeks to kind of just see like, where are we at and what do we need to change? So, um, got very familiar with needles and having blood draws, which I was not good with before. Um, but now, now it's actually in remission, which is, um, really exciting because typically it is something that you would kind of have to manage indefinitely. Um, but I actually got diagnosed with it relatively young. So, um, it's, it's more possible to achieve remission, I guess, when you're younger. So, um, thankfully that's kind of the, the state we're in now. And I still, you know, take certain supplements and whatnot, but, um, it's, it's a lot better now, but yeah, I mean, during, during the, the process of it, it was mostly family. And then just, I was writing a little bit of music, but not as much during that time. Cause I just did not have the, the energy and the, the mental capacity to, to write. So, um, I would try to, but it was largely, you know, sticking close to family and, and having them there helping me fight it. Well, that's great news, man. I'm, gr- I'm glad to hear that, uh, that it's in remission and that you had that support system. Cause that's huge, really. I mean, honestly, just it's, it's everything like I, in my low moments now, I'm just reminded of like how lucky I am to have like the family and the circle of friends and people that yeah. I hold dear, man. So I'm glad to Definitely. hear that. Well, this has been a lot of fun, dude, just to wrap it up a couple of quick things, um, that I wanted to hit you with here at the end, since you talked about Hans Zimmer um, and, uh, soundtracks and stuff and pirates of the Caribbean, like, um, I would assume that's among them pirates of the Caribbean, but what are, what are some of your favorite uh, favorite movie soundtracks, favorite movie soundtracks. So for sure, the third in in particular, the third pirates of the Caribbean at world's end, that one's incredible. I sound like such a nerd saying stuff like that, but I do not care. Uh, at world's end, incredible dead man's chest, which is the second one. That was a great one too. Um, I love the Inception soundtrack and the Interstellar soundtrack. Those are also really good and ones that I've um, at least taken the main theme song and, and try to figure it out on piano and, and watch some tutorials to, to learn those ones. But those have been great. Like when I was in um, college, I would throw th- those were kind of my go to soundtracks to put on while I was studying. So those ones will kind of always be the top ones for sure. And just the connection to like me learning music um being to those parts of the Caribbean soundtracks and in turn Hans Zimmer like I'll always have a huge respect for him and always love 
anything he touches really because it all was incredible so yeah those are my favorite soundtracks for sure dude's a musical genius man yeah i think he did uh the soundtrack for rudy um and i'm like a huge notre dame fan and i uh i used to listen to that while i would study and even to this day it like helps calm me down because i'll listen to instrumental music a lot when i'm working and stuff or stuff that's a little more chill but uh yeah but yeah i really love the one for rudy have you ever seen the movie fugitive the fugitive with harrison ford yeah i have that's a great movie. that that soundtrack to that is I, I love that one that's that's one of my personal favorites as well yeah and then just to to close it out man um i'll, I'll put up the links obviously but uh you know let people know where they can find you and, and what you've got coming up this episode will come out um at some point in august i'll let you know but uh you know what, what's on the horizon for you man yeah for sure so um instagram everywhere it should be graymind.us um gray with an a g-r-a-y uh graymind.us um the things i have coming up i have a feature coming out soon on one of my buddies um songs so i'm pretty excited about that we're wrapping that up um probably be out in the next probably in august actually around august sometime um and then i'm working on a, a project right now with um my buddy trey um his producer name's Lavkai. Um, and he's uh, working with me on on kind of a genre blending project, which is exciting. Um, just spoiler alert, it's not punk meets trap. <laughs> so <laughs> neither of us really get into that, but um, I'm excited about it. It kind of pulls in a little bit more of like um, more instruments. So, you know, what, what we were both used to playing in bands and um, but still blending some of the traditional stuff you would hear, not traditional because I haven't really been making music that long but what you would expect to hear from me elements are still going to be in there as well so um no set date for that or anything right now um probably expect to be seeing singles from me every six to eight weeks indefinitely because i'm probably going to stay on the the single game for a while and then um probably see you know maybe an ep at some point um you know end of the year early next year with with some songs so um yeah that's what i have going on and then gray mind on all streaming platforms too. So Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, YouTube, um, Graymind. That's where to find me. That's awesome, dude. Well, Brian, I, I can't thank you enough for for taking more than an hour of your time with me, dude. This has been a, a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, hopefully it's not the last time, man. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. I can tell you put a lot of work into what you do and a lot of thought into what you do. And it definitely comes out in the music, brother. Um, best wishes going forward, man. Definitely keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. appreciate you taking the time as well. This has been awesome. Talk soon. All righty, Dighty, there you have it. That was my conversation with Graymind out of Arizona. Make sure you go follow him on Instagram at graymind.us. And again, that's gray with an A, not with an E. So at graymind.us. I will put up his links in the podcast description for this episode. So please go check out his music and support what he's doing. You know, Brian, I want to say thank you again so much, man, for taking the time to do this podcast. It was great connecting with you. You're a good dude. You're a bright dude. And I just love that you've been able to take all of the musical experiences that you have and translate them into these really heartfelt, cool singles that you've put out in the last year, man. So again, everybody go check out Gray Mind and support what he's doing, especially if you're into, you know, soundtracks and, you know, cinema and alternative hip hop. You know, it's he's he's combining different influences and really got his own thing going on. So 
I really dig his sound, and, and I'm so happy to hear that he was able to persevere through his health issues and and get where he is today as well, man. And again, you know, these conversations really, you know, exist to just show you guys that we all go through stuff, man. Everybody has got something. You know, whoever you follow on Instagram who's got like millions of followers and, you know, maybe they're a very, you know, universally quote unquote attractive person, even though beauty's in the eye of the beholder or they're posing with cars or the latest, you know, you know, heat sneakers or whatever, like at the end of the day, man, like you don't know what people go through behind closed doors. And so, you know, really what I'm trying to do, like I said, at at the top of this thing is just, you know, give you guys conversations with people who I feel like, you know, deserve shine on what they're doing. You know, everybody that I have on this show are, are people who I respect, you know, what they're putting out there, whether they're business owners, friends of mine, colleagues, excuse me, musical artists like Grey Mind, like they're people that are persevering, they're enduring and they're, they're, you know, taking those experiences and, and turning them into a positive. And I think that's so key in life. You know, when, when life hits you with, with curveballs and you'll, you'll get them, trust me, you know, uh, things that you don't see coming, there's always two ways that you can, you can go with it. You know, you can, you can dwell on it and sit in it, you know, or, you know, you can, you can go, you know what, this stinks. I don't know why I've been dealt this hand, but I have, and I'm going to make the most of it. And so I really try to give you guys stories of people who are making the most of it, you know, and they're turning negatives into a positive. And like I said, man, from, from Moonlight to Rome, on and on, and his latest single, Drift, I just really enjoy what Mind is putting out there. It's, it's, it's uh, really cool. He's even put out uh, an instrumental version of Drift where you really you really get to kind of absorb those cinematic elements in the instrumental version too. It's really cool. So, uh, yeah. And I thought it was really dope that he and I both really love Metallica. Uh, and I think that's so cool that he learned their songs and stuff because, you know, anything great to me takes patience. You know, there are some people who are, are more naturally gifted at anything that you do. You know, you'll find people who they can pick up a, a, a you know, a pencil and a scratch pad and they can, you know, do the coolest doodle that you've ever seen. They're just naturally gifted drawing. You know, you, there's people who just have a musical ear, you know, they can, they can learn an instrument quickly. They can, they can play something by ear. They don't need to look up a guitar tab or, or even know how to read music to do it, you know, or there's, there's people who look at math equations and they can just solve it, you know, you know, whereas me, like I've always had to really you know, work in school when it came to math and stuff, especially like writing kind of came more naturally to me. So we all have our gifts, man. And um, I I respect musicians a lot, I think, not only because I love music, but also just because like, it takes a lot of patience, even if you are naturally talented to, to learn instruments, to produce music, to engineer music, to write music, to come up with lyrics that you know, go with the vibe of the music. There's so much work that goes into a song before it hits our ears. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for, you know, people like Grey Mind who put the time in because they love to do it. And then they're able to produce cool art because of it. So again, shout out Grey Mind. Please go follow him on Instagram at greymind.us. And that's Grey with an A. And I will put up the links in the podcast description. And again, thank you to all of you for listening to this episode, man, and for checking out the podcast. Uh, You know, again, I said it before, but in a really difficult time in my life, and I'm not saying that like a martyr, I'm just being real. It's been, 
it, it's it's felt like an alternate universe a lot in the last 18 months and especially these last like four months it's it's been super challenging you know i mean outside of uh you know when we had to bury my grandpa albeit you know like three days before my brother greg and my sister-in-law kim shout out i love you guys before they got married like what i've gone through these last few months has been really crazy man it's just uh, you know f- the emotional pain of that has been really difficult but i'm i'm you know i'm exercising i'm trying to get decent sleep i'm trying to eat right you know stick to a good diet i only give myself one cheat day a week i did yesterday got me a big old blizzard from dairy queen with brownies and cookie dough in it um you know every now and then, they're not a sponsor but hey dq shout out if anybody from dq wants to listen to this man they've been hitting home runs with those blizzards for like 30 years i digress but uh but uh you know, you got to find ways to, to turn negatives into positives. And, and the fact that there are people checking out this show, uh, I would do it if two people listen. But the fact that, you know, these last couple of months have been really some of the best months that I've had in this last year, year and a half that I've been doing the show again, it really means a lot that I'm connecting with people. So whether you're family, friends, or strangers out there in the world who I've never met and you just hear my voice, uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you all. I truly appreciate it. This isn't an ego trip for me. I have a need to do this stuff. It's an itch that I have to scratch. I've been interested in music since I was a kid. I've been interested in learning more about people and different walks of life since I was a kid. This is all stuff that has really been intertwined into the fabric of who I am since I was a child, man, for real. Like I've always had a need to create. Drawing was my first love and it just feels so cool in my free time outside of my obligations as a as an employee for my company that I work for and as a son and a brother and a cousin and a friend and a grandson, all that stuff, man, like it feels great to be able to give you guys content that I'm proud of and showcase the talents of the people that I have on this show, like Brian. And, uh, I I just really appreciate it, man. So again, I hate begging for subs and all that stuff, but If you would be so kind, please take time on Apple to leave a rating and a review for the show. It helps the podcast rank higher when people do that. And ultimately, we can get music like Grey Minds out to more people. So if you haven't, you can follow the podcast on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes. You can uh, follow it on iHeart. Podbean, the host site for this podcast, they have their own app. So, you know, if you subscribe on any of those services, you'll never miss a new episode. And again, if you would be so kind to take the time to leave a review on Apple, tell a friend to tell a friend, let's get these conversations out to more people so we can spread love and positivity, man. That's, that's what I believe in. I don't care who thinks it's cheesy and it feels good to be able to give these conversations to you guys and stay tuned because we got a lot more fun ones coming up. So, On that note, I'm going to wrap up this bad boy by saying thank you again to Gray Mind. Thank you again to all of you. Follow me on Instagram at March4thPod, on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman. And keep the faith and be kind to one another. Courtesy of Gray Mind, this is his latest single, Drift. Peace. Under the water, lost so.